Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Matthew Musso, friend of the show, does a great job of covering all things for LSU down there at ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge, as well as Musso at the Box, uh, which is a big baseball guy that he is. It makes sense and it's perfect. So, Matt, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Doing well. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, too. And I know since you're a baseball guy, we can start with the baseball side of things, too. As a non-caring person of who wins, who loses, whatever, I enjoyed that baseball game last night between LSU and Wake Forest. Very intense. Uh, came down to the wire. The, a lot of plays and a lot of uh, inconsistencies there, maybe by the umpire, that probably were frustrating. But just walk us through that game and your experience last night and just your thoughts since you cover LSU of what the final result ended up being. Yeah, man. I mean, it it was one that was built with a lot of anticipation, right? I mean, and not just, you know, since Saturday for a very long time because for the majority of the year, LSU Wake Forest traded one and two ranking in the poll. It wasn't until uh, the second to last weekend of the season when LSU dropped that series at home to state, they dropped below number two in the rankings. So I think everyone really had thought eventually that was going to happen in the championship series, but you get it in round two in Omaha, and ultimately both teams were pretty much full strength, right? I mean, LSU was just without teams, and Wake Forest was just without Rhett Lauder. So, I mean, it was as close to full strength as both of those teams could go. You knew it would be a highly intense competitive ball game and it was i think from an lsu perspective you have to love what you saw from ty floyd he continued the hot stretch he had been on uh really since the old miss series in in uh in late april there and he really carried that the rest of the way through so up until last night thatcher heard came on really strong uh really starting with the alabama series so you like what you saw from those two guys but man i mean wake forest that pitching staff is it is as real as they come. And, you know, I saw a stat earlier, LSU's lineup, which is so long and just so treacherous to get through at times this year, four through nine went one for 20 last night. And that is just a, a giant hat tip to Wake Forest. And ultimately they got the big hit in the eighth inning and uh, and LSU didn't. And that's, you know, for, for the double plays LSU hit into, for the double plays Wake Forest hit into, for the <laughs> – if you want to call it a strike zone, the strike zone that was for both teams last night, it really came down to one inning, and Wake Forest got the big hit, and LSU didn't, and when LSU attempted to get the big hit, Wake Forest made a dynamite play third to home and pegged Trey Morgan at the plate. So, um, you got to love to have been 2-0. and I mean, look, y'all know that. Y'all know that. That's, the Hawks are there plenty. That's the way to go, right, is to go 2-0 and and have somebody come to beat you twice, but that's not the luxury LSU has, and They'll face a familiar foe here tonight at 6 o'clock. Paul Skeens being one of the best pitchers in the country, everybody's familiar with him and his game and, and kind of how he plays. But when it comes to the LSU pitching staff as a whole, what are the strengths of some of the other pitchers that are on staff? I think what, what it's become over the last few few weeks, few months, has been a lot of strikes, which wasn't there really for the majority of the year. Uh, even when they were at full strength with Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores, strikes just sometimes were hard to come by. LSU's been pounding the zone a lot lately, and that's really turned everything around. I mean, the arm talent that LSU has is still plenty good, plenty deep enough, but 
the strikes were inconsistent at times. That would probably be what I would say. I mean, you look at Ty Floyd. Yes, the sixth inning got away from him, but through five innings against that lineup last night, he had walked one and struck out ten. That wasn't necessarily always there this year. The things he said uh, for for a guy like Thatcher Hurd and Riley Cooper, same way. Griffin Herring, same way. Nate Ackenhaus and all guys at LSU expects to run out there tonight. Uh, that is, that has really been what has turned it around and, and given them a little bit more length in the bullpen than they had, uh, say, I don't know, late late April, early early May. Well, Matt, uh, I know that the confidence level is always important. When you win that first game in the World Series and going into the second one and taking on a team like Wake Forest, you know the confidence may be there, especially when you're leading. But after losing that game, you mentioned how tough it is to go uh, into that loser's bracket and try to figure out a way to win three in a row, essentially. But what's the confidence level like? Does, does, does LSU fans, and do you believe that uh, you can take care of business tonight against Tennessee and feel confident that you can beat Wake Forest twice in a row? Or is it kind of people throwing their arms up saying, eh, this is it's probably where it all ends, don't really have much of a chance right now? I think it depends when you ask. So last night, right after the game, it was very much throw your hands up in the air and the vibe was decent as those. Um, it, you know, the, the biggest bummer for them right now is they, they didn't get to play Stanford. And Stanford's bullpen was a mess heading it, really heading into the World Series also at the postseason. Instead, LSU gets arguably the two best pitching staffs in the entire tournament uh, for their route. I very much believe that LSU can beat Tennessee. Like, Chase Burns is not pitching today. That's a good thing. Drew Beam's been awesome. But they don't have Dolander, Lindsey, or Bean. So, um, excuse me, or Burns. That's as deep as Tennessee is. That's three of your best, three of your four best. You won't have them against that LSU lineup. In the same vein, LSU won't have Ty Floyd or Paul Steen or Thatcher Hurd be able to go today. So, I think you see a bit more of a high-scoring game. I think LSU can win it uh, tonight, beating Wake Forest two in a row. I am not nearly as confident as that. I. It, for my money, I mean, that is the team that should win the national championship. Um, they just keep coming up with deep clutch hit, with deep clutch pitch, deep clutch defensive play. And if you're going to do that through Omaha, normally the team that's doing that, I should say, through Omaha is the one who ends up holding the trophy at the end. Um, but then again, in 2017, if you asked a lot of LSU players, LSU uh, fans, excuse me, if they thought they were going to be able to go beat Oregon State twice, that Oregon State team that ended up losing six games. Nobody would have told you yes, and they did that. So it's baseball; anything can happen. But I, if I had to give you my thoughts on what I think happens, I think the season probably windles down here in the next couple of days. As you mentioned, Paul Skeens wouldn't be available from a pitching standpoint, but he is a utility player, and we hear about some of his other skills playing other positions. Has LSU used him in, in games this year, playing somewhere other than pitcher, or is that something that? Uh, he would even be available for at this point in the season? They haven't. Um, man, I'll tell you all, the last time I saw Paul Steen swing a baseball bat was in a false scrimmage. Um, and they put the halt on that very soon after. And Jay and Wes Johnson and Paul Keynes himself, they cre- credit that a lot, like just focusing in on pitching on so much of his development this year. So it's not something they've done. Um, I can't foresee them doing that now either just for a risk that because it's been since fall a risk of him over rotating swinging a bat or something and jeopardizing his future um and look if if the bats do what the bats can do they don't uh they don't really need him see with matthew muso of espn 104.5 and baton rouge here on the jones and sun diamond and bridal fine jewelry hotline so i know you kind of went to a little bit of the previewing of tonight's game but 
Uh, Tennessee is one of those teams that has talent, and I know they went through some ups and downs during the regular season, but have uh, put it together. Obviously, been to Omaha and won their first game in Omaha in 22 years, which is uh, pretty insane. But either way, uh, you're going to be facing off against them tonight. You faced them before. So how do you think this game will play out? Do you feel like uh, this could be another one-run game type of deal? Do you think it's going to be a higher-scoring game? Just what's your overall feel for this matchup tonight on ESPN? I think for LSU to win it, I think it needs to be a little bit more of a higher scoring game. Um, and and I, th- I think they can force their way in that. They have to be able to jump one through being. I mean, Tennessee absolutely has the pitching advantage in this ball game tonight. Um, you need a good start from whomever. I mean, I think it could either be Javen Coleman or, or Riley Cooper for LSU tonight. I think it's going to be a lefty. They have plenty of lefties available, and Tennessee has a lot of lefties in Carolina. But for LSU, it needs to be a high scoring game. That That's that's the kind of the blueprint I see for them. Uh, many people ask, kind of going into it, can LSU make it through the losers bracket? They happen to end up there. And my initial answer is no, because it's hard for any team to do that in college baseball. They're just not built for it normally. But the one thing LSU does have that can help is a is a juggernaut of an offense. In the park outside of yesterday has played really small. Yesterday it played really big. So that and today it looks like it's playing pretty big as well. That, that's an impact, too. But for me, yeah, high scoring is LSU's path uh, to, to make it out of this thing uh, the next three days and find their way into a championship series. So is this uh, is it at the point that it they may go to the bullpen early in this game? For LSU, you said that with Tennessee having a pitching advantage, would you expect to see more of the bullpen if a lot of runs are scored, like you're saying that you know LSU, that would be to their advantage? Like I said, whoever, whoever gets the ball to start for LSU, I think LSU is probably looking for nine outs. I think they're looking for one trip through the lineup from that guy, unless, unless he's just rolling and you give him, you know, a fourth or uh, a second trip, maybe a fourth inning right through. And after that, they go. Jay Johnson, after the game yesterday, said he has nine pitchers available today. So, I mean, like, they have enough arms. They just have to have the execution. And once you've gotten past arm six or seven on this team, uh, here down the stretch, it's been a little bit more iffy. Uh, on execution. They're, they're all capable. You just have to go out there and do it now on the biggest stage to be back against the wall. But for sure, I think you uh, you could see a, a bit more of a rotation here in this game after after the first guy. So, Matt, I know we talked a little bit about the umpires, and I was even watching it last night. And, and the home plate umpire, I didn't really know what the strike zone was. Like, I, I just to be honest about it. And I don't think anyone's making excuses because it seemed like it was bad for, for both teams or at least inconsistent for both teams. But when a game like that happens, just what, what the impact that it has and the frustrations that come into it, uh, just what are your thoughts on that and how you can fix that and also uh, how it could be a lot different tonight because hopefully they don't have the same guy behind home plate because, trust me, Razorback fans always remember Perry Costello from 2012. Yeah. I mean, they, they always will remember that. And so I just don't think uh, any LSU fan wants to have this College World Series be marred by – uh, an umpire not really uh, showing any sort of consistency behind home plate. For sure. And, I mean, that's, you know, it's not the reason LSU lost the game. It's not the reason Wake Forest won the game. Did it impact the game? I mean, uh, of course it impacted the game. The guy the guy makes a call on every single pitch of the ball game. And that's just that's the unfortunate part. I mean, look, I, you were watching the game. You, you just mentioned it right there, right? When they go to take Ty Floyd out, you can read his lips. He's, he's telling Hayden Travinsky that's a strike. He's called. He's given that all night. Like he's given it in that spot all night. And 
if you want to have a big zone, have a big zone. If you want to have a tight zone, have a tight zone. What you can't do is have a fluctuating zone and change the zone mid, mid-game because both these pitchers and these hitters, they are adjusting to your zone, and you're causing them to do that a bunch. And when I have to sit there and, and listen to Ty Floyd after, go in front of media and, and answer questions and say, I lost command, when you can look at K-Zone and see, eh, you didn't really lose that much command, but – the home plate umpire just gets to go home and doesn't have to, you know, answer any questions or anything. That that's where I get really that's where I get mad about things because a 21 year old kid shouldn't be the only one held accountable when he's out there competing and laying it on the line for his team. And again, that goes for both Wake Forest and LSU. On that stage, you you just you have you have to be better than that. Like it, it can't be that in that moment. And again, take LSU Wake Forest out of it. Florida or Roberts, you can't have it in that game either. It just too much. It means too much right now at this point in the season. What was your initial thought on the play at the plate? Did you think LSU runner was safe, or I mean, it was a close play, and the ump he didn't hesitate to make a call, but it just looked like that you know the player may have been safe, and of course they had to review it. But your initial reaction and thought when you saw that play at the plate? Yeah, I thought he was out. Um, it was. Man, I'll tell you what, too, when, when Brock Wilkin couldn't get the ball out of his glove, I was like, oh, man, wait a minute, now it's interesting. And ultimately it was, but what a great play by, by him and by the catcher to get the ball in the short hop and get the tag down basically all in one motion. And for me, it, it, the ball definitely beat him there, which is why initially I thought he was out. And watching it on replay, it looked like they got him on the front knee right before his, uh, right before his hand hit home plate. You can kind of see the, the catcher's mitt move when it changed direction. That's when I – thought, okay, obviously he contacted something and it would make the most sense if it was Trey Morgan. I was a bit surprised they confirmed the call instead of just having it stand, though, but I did I did think he was out. Well, Matt, I do want to shift gears a little bit with you because uh, during this time of year, of course, there's a lot of excitement surrounding college football, and we know uh, Arkansas and LSU, uh, that uh, big-time rivalry, the best rivalry in all of college football, if you ask me, of the golden boot that the LSU fans love so much and cherish so much. <laughs> uh, that uh, it's a continuing tradition here in Arkansas. But there's a little interesting thing this year where uh, not only is it the last season that we're going to see the West and the East in the way that it's set up, but Arkansas and the Tigers play each other in September down in Baton yeah. Rouge. I can't remember Arkansas ever playing LSU outside of the month of November, but here we are. It's a different setup. So just what do you make of that game being so early and also uh, just uh, ha- having that be one of your first SEC games as well? Well, look, I'll say this. I'm, I'm mad that the early game is in Baton Rouge and not in Fayetteville because the one trip I've made to Fayetteville was 2014, oh. and it was like 18 <laughs> degrees and snowing. LSU got shut out. It was a terrible, terrible football game from my standpoint. Uh, but I, I love you know, campus and everything, but I'd like to go up there in September when it's not 18 degrees outside. Uh, so that'll be different. The weather, obviously, I don't like the game in September. I'm very much a creature of routine, and I like playing Arkansas in November. But that's that's not going to happen this year. It'll it'll certainly be interesting. I mean, Hogs Hogs are going to be an interesting team this year too, man. And we finally got some replacements coming at, at coordinators. Sam Pittman's had a great couple of years there. Uh, Jefferson, obviously, a quarterback. It it's going to be an interesting game. It, it always is, right? You can throw records out the window every year. We got the news of the 2024 opponents. So based on who LSU was playing in 2024 and the opponents, the setup there, what do you think overall? Um, it didn't really. So the, the thing that I found funniest about the schedule was when they did the one-year 
a temporary, and they called it a, a one permanent and seven rotating because you can totally rotate things for one year. <laughs> um, but so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I imagine it's going to be pretty similar. Like I was like, they're going to play Alabama. They're going to play Arkansas. They're going to play A&M. They're going to play Ole Miss. They're going to play Florida. And all those teams are on there. I think the one that really shocked me the most was not having Auburn uh, on the schedule because that's a series that many people here love an awful lot. And for, I mean, for one generation of Tiger fans, it's their biggest rivalry. That's kind of the thing with LSU, right? It goes so much by generation where you consider what the biggest rivalry is. Like my dad's generation would tell you it's Ole Miss. I would probably tell you it's Florida or Alabama, you know, and then there's Auburn. and uh, So it's, that part's interesting. Nobody ever says Texas a and but that uh, means more to them too anyway. Uh, so that part really wasn't overly surprising. They get to make their first trip to Columbia since 2008. That's uh, that's going to be interesting. They haven't, that'll be a, a popular road trip for Tiger fans this year. But there weren't overly too many, too many uh, surprises for me on that schedule. Oklahoma coming to town will be really entertaining. Well, I think that it's also with the final game of the season. You know, Arkansas and LSU used to be that game forever, and then A&M joins, yeah. and then they give that to LSU, and Arkansas got Missouri. So, yeah, that was awesome. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, so that final weekend of the games are always intense. But now with Texas joining A&M, I think we all will probably assume they'll get that game the day the Thanksgiving weekend because that's how it used to be, and that'll be that rivalry. So does LSU get Oklahoma? Do you think it sticks with A&M? What do you think that final game for LSU each and every season will end up being? The final game will be interesting because I definitely think LSU is stuck with Texas A&M. Uh, I just don't know if it'll be the final game. But what's going to be interesting about that is the Egg Bowl has taken that Thanksgiving spot uh, kind of out of the SEC. And Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans have embraced that and have loved that. So that'll be very interesting. But I'm with you. I, I don't know how you don't move A&M and, and Texas back there because you might remember this. When A&M first came in the league and they stuck LSU in that final game, when LSU would go to A&M, like the first two years, it was on Thanksgiving Day, and LSU hated it. So they, they got it moved. But that will be interesting because anyone else that LSU sticks with already has a you know a rivalry game that week, whether it's A&M or Alabama or Ole Miss. So it could just be a rotating thing. Maybe it is Oklahoma, or do they stick Oklahoma with Missouri that week potentially these days? Or, or is it still Arkansas and Missouri in the, uh, the battle line, which – Y'all treat like the golden, like LSU fans treat the golden food down here. I mean, what what really could it be? I'm not totally sure. Well, again, if you need volunteers, I think Arkansas fans and droves will say, <laughs> "Let's play LSU again, final game of the year. Let's do that." Because, uh, but I don't think LSU uh, would maybe be as excited about it. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. It's gonna be interesting for a few teams there to see how it all plays out and to see what that uh, final schedule ends up being like as far as dates and everything goes. But Matt. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us, man. Great stuff. Enjoy the College World Series. I know you're hoping that it lasts for a few more days with you guys over there in LSU country, but we appreciate you hopping on with us. And uh, have a great summer, man. We'll catch up with you later down the road. Absolutely, guys. Anytime.